Good, good morning, everyone. Good afternoon to others. Good evening to the viewing audience across the pond. I am your host, Jason Miles, and welcome to another episode of This is Revolution Podcast. If you are new to the channel, since apparently one of our videos from about seven months ago went viral, so there could be some new viewers right now. If you guys are new, do us a favor. Please hit like. Do us another favor. It's even easier than the first one. Hit subscribe. Don't forget to hit that notification bell so you're alerted whenever we go live as we are constantly doing new shows, doing cross streams with other channels. As you know, this is the Saturday free show. There is no bonus champagne room. It's our way of allowing you guys to get a glimpse of what goes on beyond the velvet rope, the TIR VIP. So if you are enjoying what we do here, and you have the means and you feel so inclined and would like to support, become a patron for as little as $3 a month or $30 for the year. You can have access to Champagne Rooms past and present. You can be part of the live virtual audience for the Pascal Robert host, Mal Mal Nauer. Join us for movie nights. Get the audio-only podcast a day in advance. And you get access to the audio-only champagne room if you're an audio-only listener. All for $3. And if you just want to make sure we stay on the air. $3 a month, $30 for the year. That being said, let me bring in the faceless voice of reason. M2 song. Hello, hello. Good to be uh, here. Is it? Yes. You've been judging me since before we went on air. I'm judging you. Yeah. For that shirt? <laughs> that too. That too. Um, someone asked, what video went viral? Uh, about seven months ago, Norm came on the show. Norm Finkelstein came on the show to talk about his latest book that's out right now uh, via Sublation uh, media called I'll Burn That Bridge When I Get To It. And in typical Norm fashion, as he does feel extremely comfortable on this show since his first appearance, um, he said something about gooning. And as a joke, I cut a clip of that. I mean, I also cut a clip of the more serious things he said. And I think in the gooning clip, he actually is serious in his frustrations um, as what he saw as the frivolity of the bohemian side of quote-unquote leftism. Um, and the clip title was called Is Gooning the Pathway to Fascism? And as Norm is becoming popular once again on the internet because... When he was on our show, he wasn't on any shows for a long time. Um, he talks about it on that episode, I believe, how he got banned from Democracy Now. Um, so, yeah, they, they've... I don't know who it was, but Marcus sent me a message the other day. He goes, dude, the clip just went viral. I was like, what are you talking about? And he sends me the clip, and it's got hundreds of thousands of views. And then the other day, he goes, Jason, they just remixed it. And they added music to the clip. We played it in the champagne room the other night. So, 
Dusty says there's nothing politically radical about transgression. I kind of agree, Dusty. I kind of agree. Um, but yeah, that that has gone viral, and the views on that are through the roof of what it was when we released it, which I thought was kind of funny. Do you have any opinions on Gooning Tucson? Uh, I am neither pro nor con. <laughs> neither for nor against. You're Gooning neutral is what you're saying? I'm Gooning neutral. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Neutral Gooner. Neutral Gooner. You know, in the Gooning community, they say there is no neutrality. <sighs> like standing still on a moving train. That's you. That's me. You know what they say. Once you goon, then I don't know. Then. Then. Candyman comes. And the Candyman comes. <laughs> Gooning is a pathway to Ibrahim X. Kendi. But today we want to talk about Brexit seven years later. <laughs> Jesus. Our guest today. Uh, I was on the Twitters, as you young people are, you know, following this gooning trend, and I saw something that broke my gooning research, and our guest today had said something about Brexit seven years later, and I said, we should do a show about this. Would you be willing to come on? He was like, sure, no problem. It doesn't seem like it's only been seven years since the Brexit vote. Uh, separated the UK from the European Union, but how has Britain fared in the years since the split? Socially and politically and economically, has the decision to leave the EU been beneficial for the people of the United Kingdom? In some recent polls taken around the seven-year anniversary of Brexit in June, the majority of people polled now want to rejoin the EU. Uh, many that said they didn't vote in the original referendum said they would vote and vote to rejoin. What has brought about this shift in public opinion? Today we bring in to discuss our favorite black Brit. He's a columnist in Sublation and Unheard Magazine, and a self-proclaimed conservative Marxist. Please welcome Sir Ralph Leonard. <laughs> Thank you very much. How are you? Oh, good, good. Um, how old were you when Brexit went down? I was twenty. Were you out in the streets protesting or counter-protesting? No, I was too busy um, screwing around the uni. <laughs> <laughs> what was the vibe at the university at the time? I would love to know that. Um, I think it was predictably that most people were against Brexit mm -hmm. because they associated it with like Nigel Farage and that whole crowd. So it was like, no, nah, we don't want, we don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> Did it feel like I was talking to Jean Bajlan this morning about it? Um, mm -hmm. he also, he, he was not in the UK at the time, um, either. Um, and I was asking him about his feelings on it. And he felt like it was a stick it to the libs moment. And if we go in our way back machine to 2016, uh, there's a lot of stick it to the lib moments when it mm -hmm. comes to uh, a shift in power from 
uh, a more liberal democracies in you know, liberal democracies, finger quotes, you know, you get Duterte in the Philippines around the same time. It's a little bit mm-hmm. before um, you get uh, Bolsonaro in Brazil um, around this same time. Um, did it feel to you? And I, again, I know you were in university at the time. Mm-hmm. That there was a shift in your home. Like, for example, what part of the UK are you from? The South. So it's I live in Reading, which is like not that far away from London. So, mm-hmm. so I suppose in this part of the country is probably the most anti-Brexit or most pro-Remain sort of crowd. Okay, a liberal party. Yeah, yeah. So the south side of of Britain is not like the south side of Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, definitely not. Uh, Tucson, uh, you wanna you wanna ask one of the first questions while I fix that? Sure. So let's see. Um, Has Brexit led to regret? How big a factor? Oh, well, no, let's not ask that. Seven years after the Brexit vote, what has this meant for the UK? Oh, uh, well, seven years later. Right. um, While Britain has gotten achieved its sovereignty back from Brussels, Mm -hmm. what we have seen is like further economic stagnation further social um, decline and degradation, you know, standards of living has continued to decline, inflation's gone up, uh, the Tories are still in power because the politics of the country is so dysfunctional and the constitutional settlement since Brexit has been thrown up in, in crisis and uh, nobody seems to have a solution to it. So, so far it's, it's not good. And part of the reason why you, you find like, uh, you know, people want to rejoin the EU again is Brexit for a certain sociology, for a certain group in the country mm-hmm. had, was like an upset in the status quo. Like, they felt they were doing just fine until Brexit came along and just completely, you know, upended, you know, their, you know, the way they see themselves and the country mm-hmm. as a whole. And they feel, you know, actually it was better while, you know, it was better to stay in the EU as opposed to leave and, you know, cause this upheaval. Um, oh, go ahead. How has Brexit affected the NHS? Well, well, from um, actually, it has liberalised. Like, ironic. This is one of the ironic things about uh, Brexit is immigration, because one of the main arguments over Brexit was immigration, and the people who were for it were saying, well now we can control immigration and reduce it to the numbers we're happy with but the opposite has happened what you've seen is the liberalization of immigration rules in particular visas precisely because like 
certain government departments like the Department of Health, which is what the NHS comes under, want more people to come in to work in the NHS because, you know, especially since the pandemic, there's been a crisis in the labor market and there's huge gaps that need to be filled. And because uh, this, you know, the government can't use like labor from the EU because we're out of um, the EU and, uh, you know, the freedom of movement yeah. principle doesn't apply. What What's the next logical step? Liberalize visa rules for uh, people outside of the so that's how they're uh, filling up gaps in the labor market, not just in the NHS, but in other businesses and uh, government departments. But, but it's not it's not a lot of people from the EU that's coming in. I saw that it's yeah. more getting more like nurses and, and help from Africa and Asia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, precisely. You know, ultimately, you're looking for inexpensive labor. And a lot of that inexpensive labor came from Eastern Europe. Yes. Uh, I remember my first time in the in the UK jokingly someone said when we were at some fast food spot like a nando's or something they were like oh we don't have mexicans here like you guys have in the states we have eastern europeans yeah so uh i'm assuming that that hurt business to some extent and it's forcing them to get um you know more exploitable labor from uh the global south yeah so in particular like the philippines uh Nigeria, India, um, and you know other parts of the world, you know. So that's that's where most of the labor is now coming from. And it's not just like um, like lower class labor. You also see, um, you know, liberalization like student visas for mm -hmm. universities. So they're doing that as well. And the numbers that came up this year was the net migration was around 600,000 which is the highest number record and you have to you also have to take into account um the Ukraine war so refugees from Ukraine have been I added did, in yeah. I did want to ask you about about Ukraine I know you've been somewhat vocal on that um how has the UK fared um since Brexit and with the Ukraine uh, invasion from Russia, is it is it a stronger state? Is it are you faring better with with this than you were during Iraq? How is it how is it working out for the UK right now? Uh, well, one economic effect of yeah, Ukraine, the economic, yeah. yeah, the economic effect is inflation has risen. You know that's the simple um, answer because of you know the how the global supply chains are being put into crisis because of the Ukraine war, which which means that even every time I go to the supermarket, it's always like a roll of the dice. Is the price going to go up this week or the next week? Like, I've often really? found that. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, just to give you an example of that, just like a cheap uh, bottle of water, mm -hmm. like, as early as like a year ago, like before the Ukraine war, it was, you could, it was like 55 pence. Now mm. it's 80 pence, mm. which doesn't sound like much, but no, it's, but it's it a is. huge difference, but, you can, mm. but, but water is drinkable there out of your faucets. Yeah. 
Yeah, as well. But I'm just giving that. I mean, I, keep in mind, I live in a country where water is not advised to be drunk through mm-hmm. the faucet. <laughs> you know, it's we have to physically go to a water dispensary mm-hmm. and get and get water. Um, and those prices do fluctuate. Um, Tucson, do you have something you want to add? Sorry. Um, your energy prices have gone up too, haven't they? Because of the water. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, skyrocketed absolutely to such an extent that some people just simply cannot pay for it at all because it's just so ridiculously and unreasonably high, and some people just cannot turn on the heater because. To do so would just uh, raise the energy prices high, and it's absolutely Ooh. atrocious that has been happening. So, are you having a situation like we had? Um, I don't remember if it was earlier this year or last year in our state of Texas, where energy prices were going through the roof, and people couldn't uh, even—I think a grid went down in Texas. I can't remember exactly what happened. Do you remember the Texas thing, Tucson, where people were literally freezing in their houses? I do remember that, yeah. Was that last year or this year? Last year. Are you having something similar? Because it's ridiculously cold. Yeah. Uh, Ten months out of the year where you live. <laughs> 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 yes, and that that is absolutely true. That there are families that just cannot afford to put on like the heater beyond what is necessary like absolutely necessary for them to survive otherwise their energy bills will just skyrocket and they just have no way to pay for it and 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 it's partially because like our utility system obviously is privatized and um composed of like oligopoly you know small number of um energy firms that are just in it for profit and for them the crisis is very profitable because they can just jack up the prices and put on the cost onto the um, ordinary people mm-hmm. what's the government's answer is anyone calling for regulation reining in these companies or like, is it out of hand um, I think during this trusses brief premiership there was like a rather pathetic uh, energy cap mm-hmm. like so like for people it won't rise above a certain amount but that's just it's very tepid it's not gonna it was never gonna really do much and for Rishi Sunak uh, again he's the policies that they're coming up with is not really enough it's just on the level of a price cap just managing the symptoms but not actually um you know, dealing with the root of the problems of why people are struggling to, you know, heat themselves and in the most basic way. Why do you think people are so disconnected from the actual root causes? Um, I suppose it's because one reason, I suppose, is like the current like management of capitalism is just naturalized like so there's just a thing is well this there's nothing beyond uh what is possible now so so the 
so this is just the best we can do and another thing and, and the fact that there's no s seemingly viable political force that can actually offer an, an alternative so like you know Keir Starmer is the opposition and he might actually get into power just um, by default just by the fact that most people will be sick of the Tories by the time the election comes. So, but well, even, well, yeah. Let, let's get in the Wayback Machine, because I, I think this is interesting. Why do you think Tory leadership comes into power in 2016? Well, they were, they were already in power in 2016. Mm -hmm. They were the... Um, the government, the majority government, with the co, you know, with the Lib Dem coalition since 2010, mm. and they become the majority government in their own right in 2017 election, mm. and they, because they could like market themselves as uh, the you know the party of Brexit, where you know, and they could appeal to a kind of British nationalism, where we're gonna get back our sovereignty from Brussels. And they could, you know, and because at the time Jeremy Corbyn was the um, opposition leader mm -hmm. in the Labour Party mm -hmm. and, you know, for a certain amount, because he was like the most left wing Labour Party leader in a long time, you know, for a lot of Tories, they could really sort of propagandize on a lot of that and say, well, Jeremy Corbyn's going to ruin this country. He's going to give it to the dogs and he doesn't know what he's doing, etc., etc. So that they could simultaneously portray themselves as like, you know, diehard nationalists, as well as like, you know, studious, pragmatic, you know, uh, states people. Hmm. Do you think there's an air of nationalism that still runs through the country? Oh, where yeah. you can be a nationalist leader to that, to that standpoint and kind of beat public goods democracy? Because that's what I'd what I remember with Corbyn, that's what he was kind of preaching about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that. Yeah, there's always that sort of strain of nationalism that can that falls through um, British politics, where you know. Uh, so, for example, you know, there's you know, you have people will say that oh, the NHS is the National Health Service, not the International Health Service. <laughs> 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 so, gotcha. so yeah so that you, you you do find that kind of rhetoric around i mean but how are how are people feeling about the nhs because i know it's kind of constantly under attack right now um and you're facing uh, privatization has brexit sped that up in a way the possible privatization of the nhs uh yes to a, yes to a degree I know, I know this is all speculation on your part. You're not, you know, yeah. this is your opinion on it. I understand that. But how do you feel about that? Yes and no, because obviously the NHS is within our political culture. It is like basically sacred. It's like mm -hmm. it's part of our civic religion as part mm -hmm. of the um, post-war consensus. Um and yeah, the Tories have tried to sort of privatize it like surreptitiously by proxy. Mm -hmm. So 
via like trying to get like um, private um, for-profit groups sort of enmeshed within the healthcare system more. So like in terms of, I don't know, so like say like the food that's getting provided in hospitals could be provided by a private company mm-hmm. instead of the NHS itself, just for example. Um, and But then you have like a political configuration in this country that wants to have the sort of so to speak nationalize the nhs mm-hmm. but like keep it as like a public good but in a very sort of nationalistic exclusivist where sense. everything is third partied right. out so it's like the nhs would it be one of those things where it's like the nhs in name but there's so many third parties involved yeah that's what that's what one strain that wants mm-hmm. to privatize it would do but then there's another uh strain which you know it's called um what's the word that there there's a old there's a slogan about that people are left wing on economics got right wing on culture mm-hmm. and the nhs would be part of a nationalist social democracy so like it would be a public good but it would be um it would be in a very nationalist sense so like we want to train more Brit- British workers to work in the NHS as opposed to being dependent on all this foreign labor from the Philippines or Poland to make our national health system function. Uh, Tisan, do you have something you want to add? Um, not to that specifically. Well, I guess it's re- it's sort of related. Um, uh, how do you think Brexit affected the UK's response to COVID? Ooh. <laughs> he sat back on that one. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, the vaccines are a lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose, I think because it, it made one, it made the UK, I suppose, unprepared for it in the first place but i suppose you could say that for a lot of countries um, <clears throat> america <'cause>, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because because again part of the because the healthcare system was so um uh deracinated and undermined and the state capacity mm-hmm. was in general under you know undermined since brexit uh then you know, that made the UK very vulnerable to when COVID came and, you know, the NHS became overwhelmed by so many people who were infected. Um, that's a, so, yeah, that that's uh, one uh, aspect of it. Also, and, and as well, because leadership, yeah, kind of, leadership was kind of bad on that as well, right? Yeah, Boris Johnson, yeah. Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Ralph endorses any American candidates for president. <laughs> I live here or in the States. I don't live in the States either. So I don't know if he gives that much of a damn. Um, but w- what was your take on Johnson's response to COVID or just the government response to COVID? It was very uh, reactive mm-hmm. and not proactive, mm-hmm. especially with the um, the whole lockdowns. Yeah. <laughs> when it became 
like it was he did it because he had no other option but than to do it as opposed to try when it first when the first cases started coming up being proactive and saying okay let's try to find a way to contain the virus without having to completely shut down the society but then when the you know the cases just accumulated such a level then you know there was no other option and that and the consequences of you know the lockdowns and shutting down society you know had a big effect mm -hmm. you couldn't go to the pub yeah go, you know yeah <laughs> i forgot about that johnson johnson and trump got covid right yeah but and bolsonaro and bolsonaro many yeah. many many times he was getting COVID like it was a thing to do. He was more COVID than man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he got a superpower from his COVID. Blowing his nose. Yeah, and <laughs> and during during the lockdowns, you you know there was these like ridiculous episodes of you know the police like stopping people who were just like walking in the park, but who weren't like surrounded by people that are just walking on their like <laughs> saying like you can't do that you have to stay home they just wanted something to do huh? yeah like, hey i gotta do something to justify me being out <laughs> yeah sit your ass down we had a, a a lot of our our cops who got covid over here was it like an epidemic for the cops over there too i'm not sure i'm, I'm sure I'm sure some people did. Like mm -hmm. I know, I know in the NHS, it, you know, a lot of um, nurses and doctors were starting to get it because of their contact with the patients. So, like for example, my brother works in the NHS, mm -hmm. and he got COVID eventually, and mm -hmm. Aaron, it was it was absolutely horrible <laughs> because of you know there was also the you know the long covid because of, um yeah. you know the exhaustion and you know how it screws you up for a while like physically uh i i do want to ask about that because also we had a problem with supply you you, you mentioned supply chains because of uh, russia ukraine but before that even in the states we had some issues with uh ppe that led to, you know, not getting the correct information when it was really hitting in the States. Was this a similar situation to you guys because of Brexit where uh, medical professionals and law enforcement and just kind of rank and file citizens didn't have proper uh, protective equipment either as far as masking? Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, because the masking did come a bit, uh, was a bit staggered. So. Yeah. And it, you, guys didn't have, you didn't have shelter in place orders right away. No, 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 no. It was, like I said, the lockdowns only came when like the pressure just became like unbearable. And, mm -hmm. and, um, the, yeah, we didn't have masks straight away. So like people have to resort to using, you know, like balaclavas or snoods as a way to cover themselves then. <laughs> Uh, but then, yeah, the, it did eventually come, like in corner shops, where you could, where you could uh, get like those cheap, like medical, yeah, yeah, masks. Is there still people walking around with masks in 2023? No. Everybody's no. willing. 
very few. Very few people wearing masks. No, I, I mean, virtually nobody is wearing masks. Like, when, when the order came that, you know, we're out of the lockdown or we're out, we're, you know, things are back to normal now. Basically, everybody just threw the masks away. <laughs> and I like that you said it right. Because he's not messes with me because I say baklava. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> Got a baklava on his face. Um, go ahead, Tisa. I know you have some questions. Let me see. Well, here I'll ask one. Oh, you got it. Okay. Uh, yeah. How big a factor is the newfound unity and strength of the EU throughout the Ukraine war? Ooh. How significant is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of um, regret. I mean, yeah, I suppose you'll find like Remainers who feel a bit, um, uh, I know, they're being left out of the fraternity. (laughs) 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 But... But 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 the but at the same time, Britain is one of the biggest supporters of the of Ukraine, militarily and diplomatically, in mm. um in Europe. So so like it, I don't think it really affects it that much. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly true that um that the Ukraine war like gave has given like the EU like a new impetus, like a new reason for being like. This is why we exist, you know, that we are, we, you know, we represent European civilization against Russia who want to, you know, start wars here and start conquering our, our territory and stuff like that. Yeah. So have you gotten a big influx of Ukrainian uh, refugees or not really? Yeah, a few have, I think. I'm not sure the precise numbers, but we had there have been a few have come like I think nearly a hundred thousand. Oh wow! Or maybe a bit less, but there was a a big um, exodus to the UK. No, no, it was it was more that there was like a big uh, argument over you know double standards of refugees. Like, why is it that? Britain can take so many Ukrainians, but not that many Syrians, for example. Well, they're brown. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> brown people. Obviously. Yeah. Going in scenery. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the biggest numbers of people who have come over has also been people from Hong Kong because of the colonial connection. Mm-hmm. Because part of the agreement in 1997 to hand it over to China was an open door, basically, to Hong Kong refugees. And that's another part of the double standard, you know. Because <laughs> mm. if, if you're yellow, then they're mellow on the uh, immigration. Yeah. And, and they were once under our, they were once our subjects. So... We if you are under my thumb, then it's free for you to come. Yeah. Well, but except for the black ones. <laughs> <laughs> if you're black, please stay back. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the fact that uh, Britain government speaks in 70s pimp rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> when they're making their uh, foreign policy on immigration. <laughs> if you're Chinese, yes, please. <laughs> Yeah, so that that's where um you know the home office starts getting tub thumping about cracking down on illegal migrants coming over from you know the Calais mm. port. So like they try to get in through the Calais border crossing into through the channel and into here. You know, they over there make hey no no that ship is filled with brown people. Can't do it. Well then, obviously you can say, well, the home home secretary is brown, so how can it be racist? He's brown, or... how can he not get down? She, you know? she's brown. She's she, brown. Yeah. Get down. Suella Braverman, that's her name. Because she's not from that part of Brown Town. <laughs> <laughs> she lives where the Browns are more uptight and closer to whites. <laughs> That's true. But then, uh, but then, as your one of the comments says that in the two thousands, like Polish workers here, well, that was the locus of like xenophobia. So then, it's like if if they're doing that to other white people, what mm-hmm. hope is there for the? <laughs> That's when the Afro pessimism kicks in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they hate their own people. How are they gonna? <laughs> It's not that simple, Wilderson. Uh, <laughs> I hope we don't get you in trouble. You. <laughs> no. I the show with those racist yanks. You <laughs> <laughs> thought you want to ask another question because I can't right now. Our, um is. Is the UK still sending Ukrainian refugees to Rwanda? <laughs> I take it. I take it that's a rhetorical question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he just we're all trying to be serious today we got ralph on we're gonna be serious today here we are doing freaking racist you british limericks (laughs) ralph just laughs at a question like uh no But it's but it's it's ironic how how um you know the immigration issue is always talked about sovereignty and defending our borders. Yeah, in order to clamp down on immigration, our borders have to extend to other countries. Interesting. And infringe on the. You know, it's the same thing mm-hmm. for with Libya. Gaddafi was Europe's. Not just Britain, but Europe's border policemen to stop black Africans coming into um, across the Mediterranean. 
<laughs> what do you, what do you do oh, when there's no Turkey Gaddafi? with the Syrian reference? I was, I was going to ask you that. Sorry? What do you do when there's no Gaddafi? Do you, what do you do when there's no Gaddafi? Do they just create a Gaddafi? <laughs> or just get the, the, the yeah. Just get the just get the next guy to do it. Well, ha they haven't really gotten the next guy to do it, right? Mm. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, because Libya has been um, kind of turned uh, out. There's, there's yeah. literally slave trades going on in Libya, right? So, like, seriously, what do do? Do Western powers try to create the next Gaddafi? Because they had some help. They, they did shape and mold, right? Mm -hmm. So what then happens when you no longer have a Gaddafi that you've been dealing with for, Jesus, decades? Mm -hmm. um, didn't he even go to school in Scotland? Yes. You know, so he you know, kind of came up through, through you know, British education systems, regardless of where he's from. So... Who is that next person? I mean, they're trying to do a deal with the EU, I'm talking about here, to do a deal with Tunisia mm -hmm. and their sort of authoritarian strongman. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure, I know Morocco kind of plays that role with Spain as well. Mm -hmm. I know Turkey does that role with the Syrian refugees. So, you know, you, you, know, you can just... Uh, well, I suppose, but then that's the um, irony is that, you know, um, that you never look at the causes of why people are going, leaving. Yeah. You just deal with the symptoms by, it's a very colonial mentality, trying to look to the native strongman to sort of put the hammer on them for your benefit. Instead of looking at why all these people from, you know, whether Syria or, you know, sub-Saharan Africa are moving, wanting to go off. And it feels like these guys that are in power there are a little too hard to control mm -hmm. the way you could uh, Gaddafi. Like oh, control, yeah. control entire regions, not just their own country. Because mm -hmm. obviously, because if you go down uh, the Maghreb into sub-Saharan Africa, like, you know, there's all sorts of you know, fighting and conflicts and insurgencies yeah. going on, which that these, because, you know, these are the ones that you don't really hear on the mainstream news, mm -hmm. like in Mali, in Niger, you know, there's all sorts of like vast tracts of areas where no state is in control of, like, um, you know, Boko Haram in like Northern yeah. Nigeria, no, Northern Nigeria, it's now extended itself into Niger. <laughs> and some some of the countries bordering Nigeria, so and you know that doesn't uh, enter into like the Western consciousness as to why people are fleeing these places and want to go up into Europe. Not just the violence, but like even just the economic crash, because mm -hmm. like COVID and um, you know. And Ukraine was also affected Africa. So because, you know, um, I'm partially of Nigerian descent of. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and if you think and if you think that COVID did hurt 
UK badly and Nigeria is hurting really, really badly because, you know, unemployment's like utterly through the roof. Um, you know, there's strikes all the time, like labor stoppages. Like when I was last there, and this was before COVID, mm-hmm. just before COVID, mm-hmm. um, you know, you could see in certain neighbors where my uncle lives, like the these huge like gas tankers just in the middle of the street these huge like lor- you know what the lorries that yeah. take oil yeah. yeah and that was like the oil workers like on strike basically but there's still a pretty thriving middle class in nigeria no no well they're coming over to, to the uk, the UK really? to the america and canada yeah really yeah they're leaving you, but you still have some family there yeah are they trying to get out uh, well, some of them have already left to the United States, but some of them, many of them are still in Nigeria. They're trying to go to the U.S., just, they're just trying to get out. Like, well, I, well, I already have, like, people, you know, family members in the United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. So they've already left. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Have you personally been dealing with uh, increased paperwork and delays for every everyday things now that uh, has Brexit affected your life in that way? Is there is there needless bureaucracy? I mean, your country kind of I believe you guys created the word. <laughs> <laughs> so has bureaucracy increased in, in now that there is no EU relationship? Uh No, it's just for me, like the same as ever been. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose. I suppose. No, I don't think it's really changed much in that in that sense. But since the UK is pretty bureaucratic anyway, I'm not sure how much higher you can go. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe, to, maybe, maybe to the level of France. Maybe France. Maybe France and Germany, they're worse <laughs> bureaucracy. Um, I do, I do want to ask this question. Toussaint wrote this great question. Uh, would you say this is accurate? The Brexit mindset was like going into a divorce, expecting to keep the house, the car, and the bank account while the ex keeps the mortgage and the credit card debt. Would you say that's an accurate analogy? Yes. Yes, because um, there were many Brexiteers, like Nigel Farage always bangs on about uh, having the Switzerland option or the Norway option where like you were part of the customs union and you would have all the economic benefits of being part of the EU, but non, but you weren't politically part of it. So you wouldn't be subject to, you know, certain, the you know, the legislation that's often uh, created there. So that's why Nigel Farage always ha- and other Brexit always banged on about like the EU human rights legislation and stuff like that. Uh, and like the needless bureaucracy, you know, chaining up um, uh, British uh, business. <laughs> but like it was always it was always quixotic to expect like that the Switzerland option was ever realistic that it was <laughs> that if you are leaving the political union, like if you leave a club, 
then you leave wholesale. You don't you don't um, get all the benefits of paying the club of being part of the club without and not pay your dues to it. You know. <laughs> yeah. So it was always it was always a silly idea, and there was a lot of like deception and like not being uh, candid with the truth with it. So you, do you find that the UK's economy now is weaker since Brexit? Yes, and it's ironic because the um, Brexit was supposed to be was always promoted as this is the solution to our plight mm. it was this is meant to re, you know revive british prosperity when in fact it's just another chapter in that uh long story of decline and stagnation <laughs> mm. so uh, like and and immigration kind of comes into this because like the uk structurally is kind of dependent on having high numbers of you know low wage immigration and to just to keep the gdp up but then paradoxically like people's like living standards have declined mm. so that's kind of the paradox that you see did, there did, did your homeless population kind of blow up during uh brexit yes because you actually have a homeless crisis and it's crisis now yes uh oh, is your dad just coming? No. <laughs> your dad. Yeah, it looked like. I'm sorry, I didn't. I'm sorry, dad. Is it you? Is it somebody's computer? You are supposed to use. No, it was it was uh, it was my brother. Oh, doctor. NHS brother. Doctor Doctor Leonard. Doctor Leonard came in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See how he didn't say he's not a doctor. He is a doctor. He's a doctor. <laughs> he's a doctor. Uh, he's a doctor, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, Ralph. Don't go. We got more questions for you. Um, how has Brexit been affecting small businesses and startups? Um, or has it even been affecting? I mean, I know the UK isn't like the US where every politician goes... Small businesses are the backbone of the American economy. Right. Well, Margaret Thatcher said that. Well, she didn't say it like a U.S. politician. <laughs> <laughs> she said it with dignity and grace and with a fist right up the ass of the poor. <laughs> so I'll, I'll also answer your question about homelessness because sure. that, has, that has, I've noticed it whenever I go to London, you and you go on the tube, there's always, you always see a homeless person like with a cup asking for money. When before, you didn't see that. That didn't wasn't always the case. Yeah. And even in Reading here, you go to the town centre, like you see more homeless people than you did before. So like, you just, just like if you step out of the train station, you see, you see them. So that, and this is like in the more major metropolitan areas of yeah. Of London. Interesting, because I spent a lot of time in London in 2013 on tour in the UK, mm -hmm. and uh, that was one of the things that stood out to me was the lack mm -hmm. of seeing uh, that on the trip. Actually, I'm, New York too, 
and maybe it's changed Tucson. I didn't see too much of that of homeless people in New York. Has it changed for you on the train? Oh, it's tons of homeless people in New York. Tons well, of people on the trains. Yeah. Yeah. Because the trains are on 24 hours there, so you can sleep on the train. The trains run 24 hours. There's one train in particular mm-hmm. that used to be where uh, what, the train that I used to take the most. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go outside. Mm-hmm. So, so it's the most popular mm-hmm. one among the homeless mm-hmm. people. Yeah, and, and and is this the same thing for you? Because I don't remember if they run 24 hours in the UK. No, no, not quite. No. Okay. They close at I think 11 or 10. Okay. So similar to what we have in the what I was used to when I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like I, it's it's there. It's noticeable, and I even because when I went to San Francisco in like June, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um. I remember talking to my Uber driver and I just, I just wanted to ask him like, because mm-hmm. San Francisco has that reputation. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask him, is it like, is it true or is it just an exaggeration? And he said, no, it's not, it's not an exaggeration. Exaggeration. It really is true. Like go to the tender line and you'll, you would yeah. notice it. And well, it's yeah. the largest, it's the largest San Francisco and LA are always trying to fight each other for who wants the largest uh, unhoused population in the country. Uh, as California, as a state, has the most, and it's really between like three cities, I guess: L.A., Oakland, and San Francisco, of, mm-hmm. of having uh, the the most unhoused people. And these are also three places where it's ridiculously expensive to live, and I don't understand why no one ever makes that uh, that through line conversation that housing is just expensive for everybody. So even the people that have a roof, they're they're like fighting for it. And I'm assuming. Mm-hmm you're having similar conversations in in the uk like what is rent control like out there doesn't exist <laughs> oh wow <laughs> like basically doesn't exist like even compared to say other european countries mm. you know they have uh, some version of rent control or rent caps whereas mm. in the uk and um, part of it is to do with like the culture because we have like i think like the us have this at least this aspiration to you know home ownership and like getting on the property ladder and like mm-hmm. you know it's part of like you know our you know you know our progression in life that you know you own a home and you you know build a family and you know there's the old saying you know an Englishman's home is his castle you know mm-hmm. uh, that's where the Americans get their castle doctrine from. Is from us, you know. That's look at this guy showing off. He comes on here, <laughs> he speaks so well, and all of a sudden he starts showing off. <laughs> <laughs> What's the Nigerian side say? Oh, it's Nigerian <laughs> side say to what? To anything. <laughs> it says return this email, damn it. Well, well, I would notice that in. Britain houses are quite small. <laughs> what kind of castle is this? <laughs> That's the new character too, so I have to pissed off British Nigerians. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, well, the British Nigerians are now dominating black 
British culture. It's no longer the Caribbeans. Uh, oh! <laughs> Get your hand off my penis! Toussaint! What do you have to say about that? We have a, we have a fight now. British Caribbeans are different from Francophone Caribbeans. <laughs> so I feel no connection to them. Uh, first of all, uh, I think all of you guys are the same. <laughs> all you blackish people from the Caribbean. Blackish. <laughs> you guys all have good hair. We're I'll all say. Rihanna. You're all Rihanna. Just good ass hair, smooth skin, have really cool foods to eat. Mm-hmm. And now you're being pushed out by the Nigerians. What say you, Toussaint? Uh, heck no, we won't go. (laughs) 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 Who's the hot British Nigerian rapper? Be Wiley. Are you just making up names? Because it sounds like you just did. No. (laughs) That's that's an actual British Nigerian rapper, Wiley. Wiley's old school, though. Or, well, I only, I'm only really familiar with native Nigerian. Oh, excuse <laughs> the Jesus Christ, this guy. <laughs> he just stays with his pinky out over here. Jesus. <laughs> you walk on water, too. <laughs> 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 Wiley is, is anti-Semitic. Yeah, yeah, he did have a he did post some deranged rant like a couple of years ago. Uh, I mean, so did Ice Cube, so it's not like <laughs> <laughs> come on, hip hop and anti-Semitism is like this. <laughs> um, and now I want to hear fucking Nigerian British. Does it sound different than the Caribbean people? Do they have different slang? Oh yeah, word. Yeah, some because some of it is obviously some of the language uses mm-hmm. is by from Nigerian Pidgin English. Ooh. So, so like, so like for example, like crazy. If you want to call somebody crazy, it's Kolo, Kolo Mental. There's a in fact there's an old Nigerian pop song called Kolo Mental. That's I remember growing you up. You got me going, Colamanta. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Took you out a while to get that 90s <laughs> reference. That song is probably older than, than you, Ralph, so it's okay if you don't get it. Um, <laughs> is, is Dizzy Rascal Nigerian? I, I think so. I think he's of Nigerian. It's either that or Ghanaian. It's one of the two. Hmm. He used to be my favorite. When that Fix Up Look Sharp came out, I was like, this is the <laughs> hardest song of the year. Yeah. And like, it's it's always fascinating because how within Black British culture, mm-hmm. like the African Afrobeat is now having oh, yeah. a much more bigger influence than it used to. Because hmm. before, it wasn't really cool to be like a native african here it was like kind of seen as like a bit embarrassing or too too freshy 
because like the black caribbean was the representative of black britain but like in the past like couple of decades that sort of changed mm-hmm. so like yeah so like in music like african influences are now very very becoming much bigger partially yeah. and also possibly because like the population like is becoming bigger as well ralph i never thought to ask you this mm-hmm. but Shade is nigerian you know who Shade is Helena do. <laughs> is that no, what? I'm you don't know. Oh my God. No. <laughs> I know. Um... The fuck? I thought that shit was handed down from generation to generation. I was hoping it was one of your aunties. <laughs> God damn it. Tucson, how does he not know Sade? I don't know. Tucson. Are they not no longer playing? Sade's music. Sade's yes. the band and also the lead singer of the band. Her name is Helen Adu. She's the finest 60-year-old beige woman in the history of beige women. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know um, Seal. He's... Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's who walked in the room real quick. He's like, Seal, just kind of, hold on. <laughs> he was about to start belting out "Kiss from a Rose." <laughs> yeah, like, and even in in clubs, so like certain dance techniques from West Africa are becoming more popular in uh, clubs in the UK. So like Azonto mm-hmm. from right. Ghana. Can you show us a move or two? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> that's not part of this interview. Thank you. <laughs> it would be awesome if uh, Ralph moved the table out the way and him and his brother started doing the Nigerian <laughs> kid play. <laughs> <laughs> the internet would just break. <laughs> What is this foolishness? <laughs> oh shit! Tucson, you want to ask a serious question now? Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's go back to the serious question list. Um, why does no major party have rejoining the EU on its agenda? Wait, wait till the siren is gone. <laughs> gonna take a while why somebody got shot again i live in the hood what do you do brooklyn it's a major thoroughfare that's what everybody says that lives in the hood <laughs> it's not the neighborhood it's just the street i live on it's the street she got that whole fake ass answer it's a major thoroughfare it is <laughs> mm-hmm. sound like some hood shit to me uh go ahead keisha why does no major party have rejoining the EU on its agenda? Mm. I think mm. it seems like I think they've kind of accepted it's a it's a fair complete, and I don't think none, none of them really want to risk having another referendum and them losing. Right. 
Mm. And then they they look even more silly than they did the first time around when they thought, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. We're not going to lose, you know. What's the problem? Mm-hmm. I think not. I think I don't think any of them want to take that risk. <laughs> and, and then if even if they do win, how are we gonna? On what terms are we gonna go back into the EU? Because you know you you would also you would have to kind of rejoin in a way that's not that would be different from the last time. Right. right. How would you get a better deal out of the EU when they don't really? you know really um negotiate like yeah that? yeah they're not gonna yeah they're not gonna <laughs> negotiate like that <laughs> they act like it's the mob and they got a 20 in their hand yeah. we're all booked uh this 20 says there's a table over there <laughs> there's a table over there in the eu <laughs> in the eu yeah there's a table in the eu Mm. Sorry, sir. We are booked. Uh, is is it forty? There's a table over there. The EU says the doors are open. <laughs> UK can come back anytime it wants to. You might have to go behind Estonia in your paperwork. <laughs> well, it'll be <laughs> it'll be behind Ukraine. Yes, behind <laughs> Ukraine. <laughs> Oh, so, you, so you're sitting right by the bathroom. <laughs> that is the picture that we need. The EU. That's the political cartoon that everyone needs. The EU trying to negotiate into the restaurant of, of or the UK trying to negotiate into the restaurant of the EU. Uh, Ralph, last question. Can you explain UK's labor wanting to rejoin the single market, uh, but not the EU? Mm-hmm. So the single, well, because I suppose for because for British business, uh, the single market was a boom because it was a like you had a very vast uh, labor market to pull on, mm-hmm. and which you know coincides with the movement of capital as well and it just it, i suppose from their point of view it just made it easier mm-hmm. to uh conduct like commerce and business and and you know they you know people believe in uh i suppose these they believe in a very kind of inter you know uh globalized you know capitalism and that it would benefit you know britain in the long run Mm-hmm. I suppose than if we were out of it, but like the 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 issue really was less about economics, but it was really about immigration for many people who uh, voted on this subject, whether mm-hmm. it was you know to take back control of our borders or that you know immigration you know a kind certain kind of uh, liberal you know cosmopolitanism that was uh you know we you know we are a multicultural nation and immigration the immigration is part of you know how this nation is going to form and the people who want to um you know control you know restrict immigration are trying to 
ruin us as a country and make us more racist, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Even though there was plenty of racism before Brexit, anyway. But whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Even and, in yeah, even in regards to immigration as well. And that racism was coming from Caribbeans to Nigerians, correct? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure that I'm correct on this diaspora hate. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Not that I've experienced any. Because uh, you know that's old saying, don't trust those from the wind rush. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> I made that up. That's not true. But, uh, but yeah, but uh, even as part of this liberal multiculturalist nationalism like the whole narratives sort of it's because it's interesting how national narrative can form and reform so like windrush is try is being reframed as like our ellis island I'm trying to I'm trying to pivot. I can't I can't Ralph just killed me. (laughs) (laughs) Our Ellison fucking killed me with that. Oh my god. God, <laughs> you know what we need to do? We need to do. I've been wanting to do a whole show on Windrush. Mm-hmm. You know any old black people left over that are still angry that we could talk to, Ralph? <laughs> still angry. <laughs> I'm sure there's got to be a handful that's walking around a corner store somewhere talking shit. <laughs> 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 lefty says, Jason, you laughed offensively loud. <laughs> Don't say that shit out loud either, Ralph, because you don't want like right wingers to hear that shit as they're getting ready to do their primary election for 2024. (laughs) We don't believe in CRT because slavery was just Ellis Island for niggers. (laughs) 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 Shit. Three hots in a cot. <laughs> what more do you people want? <laughs> oh, God. I'm just, oh, man. That, fuck that famine. That was just, oopsie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, was and wasn't it wasn't it good that Britain abolished slavery? Oh know. yeah, you know, you know if if you ever been a Black American around uh, British people, they love going, "Hey, don't look at us about that slavery shit." I'm like, "What do you mean, don't look at you? You actually <laughs> building here, build off colored labor? Fuck is wrong with you?" I mean, the reason why those Black slaves in the U.S. in the first place yeah. was the British Empire, exactly. I, I recently did an episode with uh, with the, the journalist Greg Palast about uh, the Osage Indians, right? And mm-hmm. he was he's doing this documentary about the state of Georgia, 
And I didn't realize Georgia had like outlawed slavery in the 1700s and the government in Georgia, the guy that this, the kin to the man that's governor now in the 1700s. That also tells you a lot about fucking lineage and privilege, right? In the States. Um, asked the crown if they could keep importing slaves. <laughs> Excuse me, uh, King. <laughs> we have all this farmland and no colored hands to tend it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God. And I'd never I mean, heard that. That Georgia was one of the first places to try to ban it. And then the 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 uh the, the governor at the time was like, No, 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 we'll ask Britain for, for a reprieve on this banning so we can get some more labor. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. The, the British national mythology over the abolition of slavery oh. is very <laughs> special. It's like Bristol doesn't exist. They're, I'd be like, hey, I've heard this building was built by slaves. We've never seen it. We've never <laughs> seen it. Doesn't exist. <laughs> it's like there's a oh, there's an old saying in a court case about slavery where the judge kind of mentioned that, oh, if a slave breathed English air, he's been immediately free. Oh, <laughs> isn't that isn't that what like uh yeah. um Gerald Horn based a lot of his his theory on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that it was that specific court case in seventeen seventy two. Yeah, and I can't remember. Yeah, what the name of it was. And, yeah. You know, here let me get you canceled before we go, uh, and you won't care probably too much. This is like an American scholar that has no bearing on on you. And, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> As Ralph's Twitter is about to get his light on fire. <clears throat> What was your take on Horn's uh, anti? What is it again? Seventy seventy six counter revolution. Yeah, counter revolution seventeen seventy six. Do you think it's kind of a, a over exaggeration on that one thing? Oh yeah, it's and it's also, you know, Stalinist falsification of history. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say it's the Stalinist for? Because well, Gerald Horn is he descend his ideologically and politically descends from the CPUSA, which is mm-hmm. the, the which is the Stalinist party. You know, that's not that's not polemical. That's just a fact. Mm-hmm. And he, I think, he also once said in a comparison with the founding fathers, well, you know, and in a kind of way to kind of you rationalize Stalin what was that well there was nothing Stalin did that the US founding fathers didn't do so there's not you can't make so Stalin isn't that evil he's no different to the you know US founding fathers and and more broadly I think it it kind of the his whole thesis kind of is um it it just it it has a very it kind of it really kind of downplays or sort of rubbishes the idea that the American Revolution kind of had any kind of progressive or, um, you know, emancipatory aspect to it. So like, for example, like the abolition of slavery, you know, the abolition societies in Britain were inspired by the United States, the American Revolution Mm -hmm. to start off. And the first abolition society started in Philadelphia, not in London. And the first statute 
against slavery in the Western world was in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. not in Britain, as British <laughs> nationalists would like to claim. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they love that. They're like, hey, we didn't, we didn't enslave you guys as long as it wasn't us. <laughs> ask just ask Ralph if he denounces Baba Ganoush. Does he? Do you? Ralph doesn't eat uh, non-Nigerian foods. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making up shit for Ralph. Ruining his <laughs> dating pool. <laughs> Ralph, thank you for hanging out with us. I want to keep you. We know that you have uh, some Nigerian dance routines to work on with your brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's Saturday early evening there. Y'all about to move the table out the way. thanks for hanging out with us ralph and is there anything you're working on right now well talk about getting me cancelled i'm 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 uh writing a writing an essay for sublation that will take a stab at this i at the argument over israel and settler colonialism <laughs> is that it making it saying it's not a settler colonial co- place or what are you saying no it's answering in the affirmative so okay. i'm saying yes it is but i'll obviously get into more details and nuances because it's not like over. algeria for example where everybody yeah go back to a you know, france no, it's not Algeria. I say I, I even I would compare it to Liberia. Ooh, right. Ooh, you know, I'm excited how, for this. And how Jabotinsky and Marcus Garvey are more similar than you think. Like, Ooh, you know, Tucson. I gotta like that. You know, you know what this is, Tucson? This is that African Caribbean hate. That's all that is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, Marcus uh, Garvey. Hey, yeah, the, uh, the, na- the native Liberians thought the Americans were foreigners. You know, the American Ooh. Liberians. Oh, Tucson, you don't like this. You're talking all about idolatry, <laughs> killing your own people. <laughs> <laughs> we got to put that on the soundboard. And like eight black people are gonna know that, and no one else is gonna know where that's from. It's from New Jack City, by the way. I'm excited. When is that coming out? You don't know. Hopefully, uh, sometime next week or the week after. If I come to London next year uh, and do something for my book, are you gonna show up? Yes. Are you just saying that because you're on air? No. Okay. <laughs> I feel he's telling the truth, but he might just show up and punch me and be like, all right, good day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I I will look at not just like Zionism as a settler colonizing Mm -hmm. enterprise, but more more specifically at the national theory of it, the the nationalistic theory of it, how, how it sort of saw the Jewish predicament in the late 19th century and the sort of unstated premises of its romantic nationalist ideology. And if you do that, you see a lot of parallels with black nationalism. 
you know, a kind of diasporic nationalism with a kind of very utopian, romantic aspect to it. I'm excited. The whole, would you be willing yeah. to come back on after you publish it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to. Okay. Hey, Ralph, thank you so much. Thank you so Ralph. much. It, it's always a pleasure to have you on, man. And I'm excited for this. Uh, just please hit me up uh, as soon as you publish the piece and I'll, we'll get you thank on you. the show right away. Shout out right, to your brother. Shout out to Dr. Leonard. Jacob. Yeah, his, his name's Jason, actually. Are you shitting me? I'm not That's shitting That's awesome. And his, um, his uh, shall we say, Nigerian name is Eloyowa. So that's how other people in my family call him. I got to, man, I got to make it to the UK just to go to your black ass house. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'm like so excited now just to experience all this Nigerianness, and we could just walk around talking shit to Jamaicans. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Ralph. Have a good rest of your evening. Thank you. That is Ralph Leonard, sublation columnist, Unheard Magazine columnist, friend of show, all around good dude. I like Ralph. Yeah, Ralph like is likable. He is. He is smart, smart young man. Really smart. His brother's name is Jason. That is so crazy. That's awesome. Does his brother have hair? That's the million dollar question. Oh, I thought the million dollar question was uh, is his Nigerian name how you say Jason or just another name? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd like another name to call you. Oh, you don't want to call me Jackson like everybody else down here? Jackson. Yeah, that's my name around here. Tell I go, me your Javier. Javier. <laughs> Whenever they say, and like, what is your name? And I tell them my name is Jason. They kind of look at me. And I'm just like, Hassan. <laughs> and then they go, oh. Then they write it right. But if I say Jason, there's X's and, and Q's in it and two S's. and Two S's. It's, it's really long. It doesn't make any sense. So. It's either Jackson or Hassan. Hassan. Um, now that Ralph is here, we're going to get or gone because we don't want to get him in any more trouble. No, we don't. And also Thanksgiving is coming up. And I know some people just it's just, just to be around your family for the holidays. We're not talking about um, enjoying in the in the meaning of the of the holiday. Uh, I saw this very racist uh, post about Thanksgiving, and I didn't appreciate it, Tucson. I didn't appreciate it at all. I felt it was reductive huh. in nature, mm-hmm. and it was just offensive because you are one of these Caribbean Negroes, indeed, and you've had Thanksgiving celebrations in your family home. Yeah. Um. And there's definitely things that you cook, but there's this idea that like black people cook this and white people cook this and one is better than the other. You believe in that theory. Um, no, you say it like you kind of want to believe it. I mean, (laughs) my boy used to get down at Boston market, but And I couldn't get with it. 
lived for a time with a white family for years. Were adopted. It's a long story. I'm not going to no get enemy. into it. I'm not going to get into it. Um, if you come to the live meet and greet, you'll probably meet them. Nice. Um, wonderful people. Mm-hmm. But they definitely season the food. And I don't think we need this 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 break. Right? This this like, oh, this person does it better and that then this is gonna be horrible. So here's this post that I saw right before the show started. And it says there's two types of Thanksgivings. So are you can you hear it? Two types of Thanksgivings. I got beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, wings, beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkey, rabbit. Taste the biscuit. Taste the goodness of the biscuit. Taste the honey sauce. Now, Toussaint, do you see this as two horrible Thanksgivings? Or do you see this as one mighty Thanksgiving? Well, I can't say that it's one mighty Thanksgiving. I mean, first of all, the black woman that's singing about the meals that she's cooking mm-hmm. has left off bread. Does she have hot buttered rolls? Does she have a biscuit? No, nah, I like biscuits. Who doesn't? Who doesn't love a honey buttered biscuit? I'm asking. Why are we trying to say that there's two different Thanksgivings and not one mighty Thanksgiving? This could be, you know, the pinnacle of Martin's speech in 64. One family brings the biscuits, the other family one brings family everything else. Brings the biscuit. <laughs> Literally everything else on the menu. <laughs> I mean, do you really want this woman that's singing that song to bring the goddamn turkey? Maybe not. I mean, it sounds like she's got her biscuit game down. That's a sultry biscuit she's talking about. It's a disco biscuit. It's a disco biscuit. <laughs> Someone says the dialectics of Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, someone says dry ass turkey. It would be a dry ass turkey. I just couldn't trust her with the turkey. But I bet you good money that the desserts at the white lady house is fire. Okay. I bet she got some lemon bars that make you go, God damn, what is in the lemon bars? Lemon bars. God damn. Meemaw, what you got in these lemon bars? Some pie a la mode. Oh, right? Yeah. Cheesecakes. There's going to be cheesecakes. Biscuits have no soul. Frank Lee says biscuits have no soul. Popeyes would like to disagree with you. That's right. 
Even KFC would like to disagree. Everybody will disagree with you. See, soccer pizza says, fuck yeah, cheesecake, yes. I'm telling you. You let the woman on the bottom bring a bevy of desserts. Don't let her bring any casseroles. Like, let that be known off the jump. Hey, we don't need a casserole. We just need desserts. Bring them fluffy ass biscuits. Mm-hmm. And that honey sauce. <laughs> and it's going to be a fire Thanksgiving. You dip the biscuit into the mashed potatoes as a form of baptism. That is disgusting. <laughs> when Meemaw and Pawpaw don't came through after they made the honey sauce, that's all you need. It's double starch. It's double, yeah, it's double starch, dude. What are you trying to do? You're not making room for the greens, beans, beans, the mayo. <laughs> right? Am I wrong, Tucson? You might have a point. I'm just saying we need to stop with this race deductive rhetoric. That Meemaw and Pawpaw are no good for the Thanksgiving meal because we believe they don't know how to season their food. May not be 100% true. Can't survive off honey alone, says. We have a few more. We have a few more. Because this is also the Saturday free show. Mm-hmm. And part of what we do on the Champagne Room is we go through videos that I get sent to me on Instagram. And we talk about them as a group. So now all of you guys are going to be here. And we can discuss it as a group. There's there's a trend. I thought it was over. And it's like teachers doing ethnic shit with their students. Like remember that teacher that had all the handshakes with mm-hmm. his students? Yeah. And it's like this this teacher is getting down. Mm-hmm. These teachers are taking it to the next level. Oh boy. I need you to tell me what you think. Oh, oh sorry, hold on. Wrong thing, wrong thing. Hold on. I got that black woman in my hair. Greens, beans. <laughs> <laughs> Once you hear that shit, it doesn't it doesn't leave your fucking psyche. You know, Ralph is still here. Ralph, do you want to join us in this shit talk? Fine, yeah, okay. I'm happy. Okay, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. So here, check this out. This is this is <clears throat> teachers doing rap songs with their students. Now, isn't that's for street stuff? Isn't that what you're supposed to yell when you want to buy crack, according to Sexy Red? <laughs> something like that, yeah. Um, 
Are they reappropriating this? Is that okay? Uh, you need some power behind you if you're going to reappropriate. <laughs> you think it's dangerous that a bunch of five-year-olds are running around doing the crack fucking mating call? Jeez. Skeet. That's not okay. Oh. Throw the book. Throw the book. Yeah, books, bitch. Yeah. They threw the books in the air. The rain books, bitch. Yeah. Do they even know what they're singing? <laughs> no. Jesus. Now, now, Joanne Reed posted that. For some reason, I'm getting Joanne Reed posts. <laughs> and I feel like this is dangerous. This is a slippery slope. This is a slippery slope. And I'll tell you why. I'll show you why. This is a slippery slope. Once your kids start ski eating for literacy, and Joy Ann Reed says something about this being powered by God, you know where you go after this? Tucson, you know where to we I showed you where this goes. In the champagne room. Oh. Should I bring it up again so we can see where this goes? Let's see where it goes. Okay. Okay. I'm going to pull it up. You go be entertaining. Be entertaining. Oh, gosh. How's your day going, Ralph? It's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been doing a lot of reading today and getting involved in, like, Twitter um, duels. Oh, do you enjoy those? Well, usually I do, but this this time I got just a little bit annoyed. Uh, Interesting. No, because it was um, over... You know, there's somebody in the UK called Douglas Murray, mm-hmm. who's like right-wing, right-wing type. Right. And he had a... He published an article in the Jewish Chronicle that basically was saying that Hamas are worse than Nazis. Right. And I just tweeted, like, this is nonsense. And it's like, he's trying to make this kind of dichotomy that the Nazis were, like, civilized European anti-Semites, while Hamas are, like, you know, representative of, like, barbarous, blood-curdling Arab-Muslim anti-Semitism. And that's like the angle he's trying to go at. So it's like, I don't know, the clean SS myth. Right. And a lot of people just be, uh, some of my replies have been just being quite like deranged in like <laughs> basically trying to defend the idea that Hamas are like worse than Nazis because Hamas used smartphones and GoPros to film their atrocities, but the Nazis didn't. Even though I say that if they had, if the Nazis had smartphones, they absolutely would have made a tribal fiesta. <laughs> I, I actually, Toussaint and I actually watched the uh, Douglas Murray interview with uh, Pierce Morgan. Pierce Morgan, yeah. It was <laughs> it was disgusting. Really? Douglas Murray fucking sucks, dude. 
Yeah, and I, I, I will say that I was, I was onto Douglas Murray like five and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, he wrote the bell. I, that's the same guy that wrote the bell curve. That's Charles Murray. Charles no, that's Charles Murray. <laughs> Is he? Kin? No, because he. Are they kin? No, 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 no. They're not. And because he wrote a book called The Strange Death of Europe. Mm. <laughs> and. Uh, can tell from the title where it's going at, and it's it's been very because he's like a neoconservative thinker here. Mm-hmm. So like during the two thousands, he defended like the Afghanistan and Iraq um, interventions, and then he's mutated into a kind of nativist type, <laughs> saying that I we mean, have to keep out these Muslims out. Pierce Morgan was to his left. Yeah, like Pierce Morgan had to had to do something he doesn't normally do, and that's like <laughs> n- be somewhat sensible. So again, back to what we were saying: when you're ski weeding, when you ski weed for literacy, this is what follows. I don't care what anyone says. This is what comes next. Love, love, Jesus. Wake up in the morning, I think about Jesus. Jesus. That's what comes next. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) That's what follows. You can't just ski wee for literacy and not think that the Jesus road trip follows. (laughs) Jesus road trip. <laughs> I love the way you said Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Soccer pizza says long exhale. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that song gets stuck in everyone's head that's watching the show. <laughs> Just, just hella angry walking around their house humming and she's like god damn it T.I.R. did it again <laughs> I really believe there's a direct line in trying to change really really horrible hip hop lyrics <laughs> into positive into uh, into you know Going on a Jesus road trip with you and your fucking friends. Bit of Bible camp. Like now, that. in the UK where you're from, Ralph, do they have, uh, you know, kind of culty Bible camps like this where you sing these Jesus anthems? Um, not quite like that. Because when I was younger, uh, when I would go to my uncle's, mm-hmm. he would put me into uh, these, like the church he was a part of. Mm-hmm was they they did this um like road trip to like the norfolk broads where we just hang out there for like a week or so 
and uh, I would I would say it's not it's not like the kind of charismatic Christianity you find in the US. It's the stereotypical <laughs> Anglican English Protestant. <laughs> it's like very um, drab, dreary, mm. pessimistic. <laughs> pessimistic Jesus. Because <laughs> because this is what happens. Also, if you get if you get too much Jesus, then then you get this. You're, you're faced with this dilemma. This is another video that we did in the champagne room uh, the other night. Tucson, do you, you remember this one? Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! This one. Wait, 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 wait,
And when she makes this face, he that's how he's looking over like, I got it. <laughs> this nigga too. Look at this nigga too. <laughs> Laser beams. <laughs> oh, Do you see him? He got this big. Don't you love it when you had a black church? Actually, there is white churches like this, too. But we had a church like this, or anybody's church, we saw the Japanese praise praise break. (laughs) (laughs) That's what started this whole thing. Someone said that because I found a video of the Japanese praise break that started me getting all these videos. I don't search this stuff out, Ralph. This just shows up on my... (laughs) Instagram <laughs> like well first of all in an Anglican church there wouldn't be any mention of sex at all oh exactly. that's why her stomach hurt look this is what she- <laughs> <laughs> I had no sex oh getting a cramp um I think I need to find the Japanese praise break because you didn't see the Japanese praise break either, right, Tucson? No, I didn't see it. Oh, hold on, I gotta find Japanese. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you gotta see the comments. People were mad that these Japanese people were doing the praise break. I don't understand why they was mad. I mean, they was getting down. And isn't Jesus for everybody? No, not. Um, Tucson, did you go to a church like that, or did you go to like a Catholic church? I went to a Catholic church. We did not do that. We did not do that. <laughs> well, well, in London, the uh, Africans are taking over the t- traditional Anglican churches and doing their are they ceremonies there. Yeah, because nobody, no, the Anglican church is declining. Nobody's going to church anymore among the English population. Wow. <laughs> they ain't going to church anymore. Tucson, why can't I find Japanese praise break? Because you need it. Because oh. you're looking for it. This is killing me because I can't go back into Instagram. Oh, found it! Okay. I'm so excited right now to show you guys Japanese praise break. <laughs> it it really it's like real talk. It got me so fired up. Cause I do enjoy gospel music. Like gospel music. You can work out the gospel music. <laughs> work out. <laughs> so people were getting mad in the comments. Because they felt that these people were appropriating gospel, which I thought was ridiculous. <laughs> but here we go. Japanese praise break. That's you, Sock? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you expect to see any of that? No, I did not. <laughs> Steve says that baseline. I'm telling you. 
Dusty says that sounds like ska. <laughs> <laughs> that does not sound like ska. That is the praise break. And she started shouting at the end. Sid now says that's like the 50s to him. I love the Japanese praise break. Let's hear it again. Does that take you back to Santa back in the day when you was getting yelled at at church? It's running in place. (laughs) (laughs) We never did anything like that at my church. We didn't shout at your church? Did not shout. Haitians don't shout? <laughs> we went to a Catholic church. Oh. Oh, come on. You had no fun uh, at church. It's probably oh, fun. I mean, every time I walk past on Sunday, every time in church here, I always hear... The, the preacher shouting at the top of his voice. <laughs> right? And, and praising, yeah. and then that's when round feet get to moving. And he's, <laughs> and he's got his microphone on and he's just shouting at the top of his voice. Oh, that doesn't happen at the Catholic Church. No, um, you're also in and out in one hour. Oh, no. Oh, no. These churches, you're there three hours. Your football Sunday is fucked. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Whatever plans you got, your plans is your ass is going there, sitting down for three plus hours, and then you going to Denny's. I could never. You never went to Denny's because you're from New York. Well, no, there's no Denny's in here. Far as I know. (laughs) Not that I would go. So after boring ass Catholic church, where'd you guys go? Just home? No, we would go to like KFC or something. KFC? Burger King. Oh my God. This is why Nigerians is taking y'all out in the UK. <laughs> it's a different church. In the y'all UK. are not doing post church services correctly. Well, They're not Catholic. I mean, the Anglican church is basically Catholicism for English people. It's like, you know. It's like the pro- the closest version to Catholicism for Protestants there is. <laughs> Catholicism for Protestants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John says, church I grew up in, Eastern Orthodox services were three hours, but most people only showed up ten minutes before communion. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the cool people are doing. <laughs> <laughs> You people are ridiculous. Okay, we got one more video, then we're going to call it. This should be the last one. Do we, should we share something that we shared in the champagne room, Toussaint, or should we do something new? Oh, I didn't show you this one. Um, the other day, we did a show about hip-hop and is hip-hop um, over-sexualizing women. And one of the points people love to make is that in black music historically it's there's been a vulgar side to it and in the 30s and 20s uh recorded blues music by female artists was really over the top 
and I found this woman. Uh, I, I I checked her page out for some odd reason because I wanted to see if she had more stuff like this, and she ended up being kind of a Zionist. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> this, this is really funny. <laughs> this is actually really funny. Nipples on my titties, big as the end of my thumb. I got some between my legs, I'll make a dead man come out. <laughs> she looked at her thumb. <laughs> this is gross. <laughs> So, you know, I think this predates my Gucci Ping, my booty home brown. <laughs> Someone says, boom, bars. Yeah, the song, I've went through and listened to a lot of that stuff. <sighs> wow. Contemporary hip hop has nothing on blues of the 30s. I think I think there's you could find songs from blues artists where the guy's talking about killing his wife yes. for cheating on him or something like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, okay. real blatant, real blatant. A lot of real blatant like S and M stuff. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's 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 so over the top, and you're like, this is recorded music, but you know. I don't think there's a direct line between this and uh, and Sexy Red. Do you think there's a direct line, guys? I don't think so. I don't think Sexy Red's great grandma was sitting around, you know. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Post-church playing. <laughs> I got nibbles on my titties. God. She's when the woman looks at her thumb, I lost my shit. <laughs> okay, um, I've got to go now. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Peace, Ralph. Peace, Ralph. Oh, yeah. Ralph fucking hung out with us while we did horrible shit. Yeah. <laughs> this was young people music of the day. I, I don't know how young they were. Um, but it is funny to to go back and listen to to this old 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 stuff and go. Well, not much has changed, but some much did change, right? Because music did get drastically different, right? In the forties, fifties, and sixties, and this stuff was kind of relegated to definitely more underground. But you can find a lot of this stuff on Spotify. Interesting. I mean, when you have the history of recorded music in your phone, it's so hard to not just discover new artists, but even to go back and think, oh, what did blues music sound like in the 30s? <laughs> Read this. Ralph has now been scarred. Poor Ralph.
I'm glad he had a lot to say about the church stuff. Yeah. The church, that, that woman running is still the funniest thing in the world to me. <laughs> Just like the way she took off. And I know it's edited. She said some more words. Doesn't matter. That edit is genius. Because <laughs> when you hear the music and you see her legs, she's gone. <laughs> Oh, thanks. Just disappear, man. <laughs> it's like the cartoon when the bongo starts spinning. Yep. Oh, God. <laughs> Beef with Gerald Horn is okay, but this is too much for Oh, yeah, I guess it is too much, right? Because it's like, you can call out Gerald Horn, which is definitely going to be a nightmare in the comments. Can't wait for somebody to be like, well, you've never read the... Yes, I have. And after I finished it, I mailed it to Pascal. Who couldn't even get through it because he didn't like it. There's that. There's that. So we have confronted the text. So please don't act like we have not. And we've talked about it on this show with John Graham, who's also a historian of that era. John Graham. And just because we may not agree with that book doesn't mean that we disagree with everything Horn has written. Because that would be foolish and childish. Immature. What's another what's another adjective? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Dismissive. Yeah. And I would not begrudge anyone who wanted to read the counter revolution of seventeen seventy six. I don't think you will. <laughs> Very dense and kind of long. But go for it. On that note. On that note. <clears throat> Horn was rude to Catherine Lou. She just talked to me the other day. She did not tell me that. Was this recent? He doesn't like the PMC analysis. Dusty says because it's 500 pages. It's like 500 pages and Horn has some very, very, he's all in the footnotes. Toussaint, what are you doing for the weekend? Sleeping. Oh, that's whack. Are you going to church tomorrow now? Going to church tomorrow? No, I'm not. I do like hearing the church bells. But you don't like hearing the church music? I like gospel music. Were you getting fired up at the Japanese praise break? Fired up? I don't know. It was interesting to watch. Why am I the only person that gets fired up at praise breaks? You're special. <laughs> American Jason is special. American Jason! <laughs> yeah. Is that what she's saying every time when I call? <laughs> Stay away from me! <laughs> American Jason. (laughs) 
Someone says Horn is boring. He is the anti Finkelstein. I had Gerald Horn on the show back when it was still an audio only podcast, and I would push back against that. I think he is not boring, but I think he intimidates a lot of people that bring him on because he does have a very large breadth of knowledge. So. On that note. On that note. I'll be on some shows this week. I just did the fucking cancel podcast, which is probably going to get me fucking canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be on Left Reckoning Tuesday. Right. I'm doing an interview with John Bunch for Sublation Monday. John Bunch Society. The John Bunch Society. That is going to be interesting. Uh, we got a lot a lot coming up next week. Is we're doing a special call-in show next week, right? Is that next week? I think so. We're doing a couple special call-in shows. Are we doing the call-in show for the Bernie thing? Was that supposed to be a call-in show? I don't know. I don't think you want to so. tell people about the Bernie thing? Because that's Tuesday. The left needs to stop hero worship. Damn it. Ooh. Talk about Bernie putting him on a pedestal. Oh, that's Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. How do you say Tuesday in Spanish again? I forget. Martes. 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 I'm probably saying it wrong, but yes. So that's going to be the Tuesday show. Are we going to have Bernie Sanders on? Uh, Yeah, we'll see. His people said they weren't sure if he'd come through or not. <laughs> we should send. Can you just send an email just to see if we get a response? Bernie Sanders, can you come on our podcast where we talk about how people need to stop worshiping you? I think he would like to respond to that and be like, uh, uh, yes. <laughs> and then we could spend the whole show fucking with him when he was talking to Cardi B. Oh, man. No. I think you should send a message to him. See what happens. Because. Ooh. You can't say the same thing about hero worship. I mean, we're going to get into all the hero worship. All of them. Because I think that's a big reason why the left is very different from, from I don't know, maybe old left movements of the 30s and 40s. So I'm excited for Tuesday. Tucson, are you ready to go? Ready to go. All right. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Thanks again, Ralph, for for coming on. And we are out.